Welcome to the Birth Lounge Podcast, an empowering space for expecting and new parents to hear candid conversations with experts, support your mental health, and learn the tips and tricks that thousands of parents have used to craft their ideal birth. We will answer all of your questions, the scary ones and the weird ones, to help calm your fears and feel confident going into your birth. I'm going to help you redefine what birth and motherhood looks like and how to embrace your journey. I've intentionally crafted an amazing list of experts to help you navigate pregnancy, explore your birth options, and plan for postpartum so it can be a time of soaking in your tiny human. We're going to go there on all the hard topics so that you can dive into finding your confidence and freeing yourself from fears around childbirth. With almost 10 years of experience in family education and a master's degree in human development and family studies, I created this podcast as a way to share information so parents can make educated and informed decisions about their care during pregnancy and childbirth. This is a birth community driven by evidence-based information and research in hopes to help you explore your options, understand your rights, and know what choices you have along the way. I'm your host, Hee Hee. Now let's get to the good stuff. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Birth Lounge Podcast. We're so excited to have you here today. You guys, I'm sitting down with pelvic floor physical therapist and one of my very good friends, Dr. Jen Morgan, who's also the founder of Centrality Wellness. And today we're going to be diving into prolapse after birth. It's rare, but it happens. And I think there is so much fear around prolapse. And really the biggest question that I hear as a doula and and someone who works with postpartum people is, how do I know if I have prolapse versus just a weak kind of vaginal muscles after having a baby? So Dr. Jen, welcome to the show. And we're excited to hear all the deets. Give us all the good news. Oh my gosh. I love this. He, he, thank you so much for having me. This is always, we have a blast. So I'm like super excited. We always have a blast. And let me tell you, like prolapse is one of those things that I find gets like glazed over. It's like, oh, you have a prolapse. And then moms are like, wait, wait, what? Like, what are you talking about? And the biggest thing that I see as a clinician is that doctors, midwives, you know, OBGYNs, use the word prolapse differently than like your rehab professional. So we're really going to dive in today. Like what does prolapse mean? Or like, what could it mean? And then we're going to help break down. Like, what does that mean for you? What can you do about it? If you do have one and we'll kind of, we'll just kind of like break into it and see what we got going on. Cool. Okay. So start off, start us off with what is prolapse? Does it literally mean that something is hanging out of your vagina? Because I think that's what a lot of people picture when we say prolapse, they're thinking like your internal organs or the, you know, your vaginal muscles are literally coming out of your body. Is that right? Mm, That's a great question. So when we start talking about prolapse, some of the words that you're going to hear are like a cystocele or a rectocele, right? So when you see a, um, a seal at the end of a word that is related to a prolapse, AKA an organ is close to or beyond the opening of the vagina. And so when we are talking about, we'll use rectocele since I have my rectal organs handy. So when we are looking at 
our organs in our vaginal canal, here's your vagina, here's your uterus, here's your rectum. If your rectum is moving forward into your vaginal canal, or you can see it laying on your back through the opening, that is what a rectocele is. And a cystocele is your bladder. Other things that can potentially prolapse, we're looking at like your cervix can potentially prolapse down. Also your uterus can also prolapse down. Um, if you had a hysterectomy or you no longer have a uterus, sometimes you can also see like small intestinal loops moving down towards the, towards the vaginal opening. And so first and foremost, we want to figure out like, what is prolapsing? Like what organ are we talking about? Where are we in relation to the opening of the vagina? Cause that is always going to be our point of focus. The minute you get to the vaginal opening or just beyond, now we're talking like a grade two prolapse, if you will. And how many grades are there? So we know that there are four grades of tearing prolapses out of what? Totally. So prolapse grades, we're talking from like a one to a four. So it's also like a one to a four. However, newer research is coming out that like, they're trying to debate if you can really classify like a one as a prolapse, right? Because it's still very high up in the vaginal canal, not a lot of mobility when we're like coughing or sneezing or bearing down. And so a lot of new data is coming out that like one, a zero or one is really not or shouldn't be classified as a prolapse. We really need to be talking more about the twos, the threes and the fours. So if you have a zero or a one, it's more likely that you just have some weakened muscles and they must be a little bit easier to rehab. So before we get there, painful or not painful, are we looking at like, ouch, this hurts? Or are we just looking at like, oh, this feels weird and my vagina feels full? Yeah. Most of the time we're talking weird, right? Most of the time we're talking pressure. We're talking weird. We're talking heaviness, but it's not just about the muscles themselves, right? So when we think about an organ, right? So let's just, let's think about the uterus, right? So we're thinking about the uterus here. Your uterus is supported by, you know, the bottom part of that vaginal canal supported by your pelvic floor muscles. It's also supported by the fascia or the connective tissue that hold it and support it up, right? Lifting it up inside that top of the pelvis in the lower abdominal cavity. And it's also crazy influenced by our hormonal state and like what we have going on in our life, as well as how strong are we externally? How strong are our glutes? Are we someone who has chronic constipation and we're holding and straining and bearing down historically? So there are a lot of things that we want to look at when we're talking about rehabbing a prolapse. But if we're talking like a grade one or a grade two, there are some people who don't even realize that they have, you know, the bladder resting a little bit lower or the rectum resting a little bit lower because your nervous system also plays a role in how imperative or how scary quote unquote for your body is it and how sensitive are you to it where it's resting? So lots of things go into it, but a zero or one, typically nobody even realizes it. Like I've, I've never had a child and I know my own pro quote unquote prolapse score, which is not a prolapse. I sit, I teeter that one, right? So I have a little bit of mobility when I cough or I sneeze, but it's not a ton. It's not close to my vaginal opening and I'm no Paris, right? So you, people don't even know most of the time. So what do we do about that if we do find that we have a prolapse? And I guess let's back up one more question is when do you go to the doctor? Like when do you, if you're not even noticing a grade zero to one, what are you noticing that should kind of tip you off to say like, oh, I might need to get to a pelvic floor specialist to get this checked out. 
Totally. So I would even say for like my zero and my oneers, which you, you guys really don't have a prolapse, right? And as a rehab professional, I always want to talk about how much mobility do you have when you are doing exercise, right? So if you are leaking on a cough or a sneeze, or if you're feeling pressure or almost feel like your pelvic floor is bottoming out when you're trying to poop or lift or, you know, carry your kid, those are signs that you should go seek out a pelvic floor therapist and potentially prolapse will be your driver. I rarely, that's not true. I think it comes in waves. There are times where I have people come to me for other reasons, pain with sex, incontinence, constipation, difficulty emptying. And it turns out that their driver is the position of their organ or how it, how their organ moves during function. And it's actually creating dysfunction. Now there are sometimes people are like, I feel like I have a tampon stuck in my vagina, or I feel like there's a golf ball, or I feel like there's a ping pong ball, or there's something like a dry something that to me screams, there's probably a, an organ that is resting or collapsing within the vaginal canal. So you have to start teetering out. Like, is it your primary driver? Like, is it you're feeling those stuck feelings or is it more of a secondary thing where you're having a little bit of other dysfunction that maybe your organ position can play a role in? And this is something that you and I have talked about before, but we know that, you know, internal exams are tricky and they're a sensitive topic for a lot of people. People want them or don't want them for a lot of reasons. And and that's your own thing. You can absolutely want them or not want them, but just to prepare you, are we looking at an internal exam being absolutely needed for prolapse check? Oh gosh. I, I really fall into the nothing is absolutely necessary ever category, right? Because here's the thing we can, we can navigate around it. You know, when I lay out all the pieces of what the assessment could be, I really follow the a la carte model, right? We're going to look at some things on the outside. We might look at some things on the inside. We might look at how you're breathing and you're moving in your squats, for example. But an, an internal pelvic floor muscle assessment in supine on your back, as well as in standing, because it also plays a role how gravity, which is not our friend, um, those both of those things are really they give me a lot of insight, right? They give me a lot of information about how you function and how your pelvic floor functions because pelvic floor strengthening is one of like the cornerstones of any sort of prolapse if it's secondary to weakness. Sometimes we can have that sensation of heaviness or fullness with a a pelvic floor that's too tight. But again, that would also be something that we want to tease out. Is it too tight? Is it too weak? And how does that play a role? So if someone's open to an internal assessment, We will, but again, it's very staged. And at any point in time, the ball is always in their court where they can say, you know, I'm not feeling this. Cool. We stop. And then we just change, change courses. Sure. Okay. And if you find that you do have a prolapse, can you talk us through what that rehab would look like? Also, how long on average it might take to, to rehab that? Sure. So if we're talking early, early, very early postpartum, um, there's going to be for most people, a sensation of like heaviness, especially if, you know, their birth story has a lot of sustained closed glottis pushing, or potentially if there was some, you know, perineal trauma or some, um, just strain, strain or difficulty. A lot of those times our muscles get really fatigued. And so we can have pelvic floor dysfunction and we can have some pelvic floor heaviness. And so I always tell people, I'm like, if that doesn't clear in a couple of weeks, or it's not even getting marginally better as the days go on, that is when you want to start seeking out care. 
Now, for my mamas in the postpartum window, right? So like early postpartum window, we're talking like within the first six, eight, 10 months. To me, that's still early because it takes you a year to heal, right? That's where we're going to start looking at how strong are you, right? Let's talk about your birth experience. Let's talk about potential other factors. Are you breastfeeding? What position are you breastfeeding? Are you doing it while you're doing the dishes? Are you sitting all the time? Like, what does that feel like for you? Um, we want to go through their entire history and their story, but I also find that there's a big hormonal component to it too. So if a mama is breastfeeding, they may find that they are very sensitive to the shifts as they're nursing more or nursing less or weaning or not. And so that's also something we want to take into consideration. Um, the rehab process itself, it varies, right? If there is a muscle weakness component, we are looking at, you know, somewhere between Gosh, strength changes take about 12-ish weeks to like notice improvement, right? So we're looking at 12-ish weeks and that is for a pretty straightforward weakness case, right? But there are so many other factors that it may take more, it may take less, but you will be noticing improvement before that period of time because you're going to do so many other things. How strong are you functionally? How is your bladder and bowel health? We're going to get all that stuff into check as well. So if someone has a third or fourth degree tear, Mm -hmm. which I just went into this in depth in the birth lounge. If you guys don't know about the birth lounge, it's our monthly membership for expecting a new parents to help you prepare for a confident and informed birth. But we just went into all of the different grades of tearing. I didn't talk about prolapse because I didn't know about it. But if you have a third or fourth degree tear, are you looking at an increased risk of also having prolapse possibly? Mm. So Potentially, right? So we're talking fourth degree tear, right? You're talking that you actually tore into that external anal sphincter and into that rectal, you know, space. And so I don't know the literature if they're directly correlated, but I have seen some like, I don't know if they're directly causative, but I have seen like correlation clinically from um, how my patients have presented. Definitely. So listeners, honestly, if you don't know the difference between open and closed glottis pushing, this is just the time to check it out. If you don't know about our secret sauce to pushing, definitely check that out. You can go to the birthlounge.com backslash secret sauce to pushing. And we teach you how to push actually with your body upright, not on your back. It is just so, so important. Purple pushing does increase your risk for so many things, both during labor, but also after birth. My goodness. Okay. So Dr. Jim, anything else that we may need to know about prolapse, anything at all? Yeah. I think that you, you kind of touched, touch base on the fact that prolapse can be scary, right? And yeah. so if you have or receive a diagnosis from your physician or someone else that you have a prolapse, it's not life ending or life altering, right? You still will be able to maneuver around that. You should be able to lift and bend and pick your kids up and play and do everything that you want to be doing. It's just sometimes we have to navigate around that to figure out how do we do those things and how do we make sure that you are symptom free or able to manage your symptoms. There are, um, there are so many things that have to be addressed and looked at. And I know that Sometimes the medical community can just like glaze over these diagnoses. And so if you feel like you have a prolapse or you feel like something else is going on, 
seek out the care of a pelvic health specialist. And a pelvic health specialist can be either a physical therapist or an occupational therapist who are trained in rehab for the pelvic floor. Truthfully, every single person, every single person who's ever given birth should be seeing a pelvic floor specialist, uh, without a doubt. It should just be an automatic referral. Unfortunately, our country is not as equipped as some other countries to give that referral pathway, but they are probably in your backyard. And if they're not in your backyard, there are virtual resources. So I strongly, strongly recommend even just talking to someone about prolapse, either the diagnosis or the mobility of an organ creating a prolapse. You should have that conversation if needed. I think you touch on a really good point that a lot of people don't realize is that, you know, our medical professionals, they often are looking at things through one lens and it's a one size fits all. And I think this conversation did a great job of sharing that it's not like that at all from your symptoms to what caused it to your rehab. It's all going to be very individual to you. So while it may be helpful to ask the people on Facebook or ask other mamas in your life, please, please, please don't take what they did to rehab their pelvic floor. Go and find a specialist who can truly give you individualized care. All right. One last question before I let you go, because we touched on it and it's just like on my brain, you talked about incontinence. Can you touch quickly on urinary and fetal fecal incontinence, mainly that A, it is very common and B, it is fixable because that is so scary to have a baby. And then afterwards you keep peeing or pooping on yourself. That doesn't only like impact you kind of physically, but also mentally too, as an adult, that can just really rock your world. Absolutely. Incontinence, especially urinary incontinence, it's very well studied that it is a drastic quality of life measure. Like and people are completely impacted by having incontinence. They're self-conscious. They're worried if they're peeing all the time, they're always focused on where their next bathroom is going to be available. And so incontinence in itself, there are, there are actually five different types of incontinence, especially for like urinary, five types of urinary incontinence, if you will. So we're talking stress urinary incontinence. So leaking while you are coughing, sneezing, laughing, or exercise, there's urge urinary incontinence. So you get the strong urge to go. Maybe you put your key in the front door or you hear running water and you literally cannot stop it from happening. Trigger. Yeah. It's like a trigger. Exactly. It's like a trigger. And your brain has like learned what that trigger is. Um, there is, I call it functional incontinence. So like, you know, you have to go, you're on your way to the bathroom, like pulling your pants down and you, you just can't make it there. You start leaking when you're in your own bathroom. Um, you can also have incontinence during sex and that's called coital incontinence. And so if you're feeling like you're leaking during sex, that's also a reason or an indication to seek out care. Um, for fecal incontinence, fecal incontinence, we always wanna start tracking like, are we leaking poop? Are we leaking mucus? Because if we are leaking mucus, it may actually be more constipation related. So we wanna figure out like what type of incontinence we are having. And then we want to figure out why is it happening? Because even though you, some people say, oh, I have to wear black leggings to the gym because I'm leaking. It's just my rite of passage of being a parent. It doesn't have to be that way. And rehab, because your pelvic floor are skeletal muscles, just like your bicep, right? Your bicep contracts, relax, can get strong, can get weak. Your pelvic floor is the same. And after birth, those muscles just I mean, think about running the New York marathon, right? Or the Boston marathon. They just did this marathon of an amazing, you know, experience. And they, 
it's incredible, but we cannot expect that your pelvic floor is just going to like naturally just go back to whatever it should be doing or used to be doing. We should be rehabbing that. So incontinence postpartum early, like a couple of weeks potentially is relatively within that normal range, but anytime outside of that, you should seek out a pelvic health specialist. That is also fascinating. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for joining us today. This has been incredibly packed with all your good wisdom, which no shock there. You always bring it with your wisdom. I appreciate you so much. If people wanted to get in touch with you or they were experiencing some of the challenges that we touched on today, how should they get in touch with you? Absolutely. So they can do it in a couple different ways. One, find me on Instagram. So my handle is at doc, D-O-C underscore Jen Morgan, J-E-N-M-O-R-G-A-N. They can also email me, which the email here is hello, H-E-L-L-O at centralitywellness.com. Or they can find me on my website, which is just centralitywellness.com. Cool. Or you can reach out to me. Dr. Jen Morgan is the first person I'm going to refer you to if you come to me with any sort of pelvic floor challenges that's so far outside of my realm. And I trust Dr. Jen so, so much. You guys, if you are listening to us on the podcast, be sure to check us out on YouTube and Instagram. If you are finding us on YouTube, be sure to check us out on Instagram and our podcast. Both of those you can find at The Birth Lounge, or you can also check us out at Tranquility by Hee. We will see you next time. Thanks for joining us. Bye, y'all. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I truly do value this community, and I love hanging out with you. If you found today's episode helpful, share it with a friend. Share it with someone who might also find this information helpful. I'd love to hear what you have to say and read your sweet words on iTunes. You can leave us a review and this helps get this information into the hands of parents who might also benefit from hearing it. If you're interested in joining The Birth Lounge, you can go to thebirthlounge.com. Our blog is linked there. You can find all sorts of free information as well as how to get your access to The Birth Lounge. You can always hang out with me on Instagram as well, at Tranquility by Hehe. Until then, stay educated, stay supported, stay confident. Just a friendly reminder that nothing in this podcast is to be used as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult your healthcare provider with any questions or concerns you have about your health or anything discussed in this podcast. Side effects may include educated adults, informed decision-making skills, and consensual care. Tranquility by Hehe and the Birth Lounge are not responsible for any ideal births that were created with this podcast. The birth parent deserves all the credit.